Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee or wine and talking about writing, publishing, the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13, if nothing else, because I'm prone to F-bombs. Your hosts today are John Schmidt, David Welsh, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 27, Storytelling by Episodes. I'm kind of saying a root, a branch, a twig, a leaf. When we were designing mushes and writing up mushes, we used to say, what is the background story? What are the arcing stories? What are the big movements we're going to have through a story? And then have all the different scenes align align on that. And that was just for storytelling on a mush. That was the very simplest, you know, cheery, entertain somebody, kill a few afternoons and avoid homework. Episodically, though, storytelling by episodes is a much bigger picture. So I think everybody does it a little bit with gaming. Like, you guys all gamed. You do it a lot with gaming. If you're running a campaign, it's an episodic um, uh, collective story endeavor. It is. Even a simple single story, though, is going to be split up in episodes because you can't predict how long each element will take. But that's... You've talked two forms of gaming, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, uh, right now, we're seeing an explosion in the way episodic fiction is consumed, because now we have binge-watching. Oh, (laughs) binge-watching. And then there are uh, programs, there are stories that they don't let you binge-watch, to wit The Mandalorian, which they're releasing... One half hour episode a week. Well, I will wait until they all come out and then I will watch them. Some which people is, will, but some yeah. people want to see them as they come out. It's true. Which is a great model for um, commercial publishing or commercial broadcasting because <clears throat> you have your viewers hanging on the next episode. Well, historically speaking, it hasn't, and I believe you said this first, Dave, it's the capitalistic way of doing things. Well, it is a capitalistic way, certainly. It's it's um, it's grabbing an audience or keeping an audience by by stringing them along, in a sense. I mean, that's not putting it very generously, but um, it is. My my beloved Sherlock Holmes started as a serial, you know, in in a in a. I'm sorry, Chaz isn't here to correct me. So, digest or newspaper or a weekly journal, a weekly magazine, I believe. A weekly magazine, and I agreed. You know, some of them got paid by the words, but Dickens also did Dickens some of his work by via the words, yeah. But also Mark Twain. Mark Twain, yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of stories that can be told in a very serial way. Um, whether it's just the latest story in a newsletter or an online zine, um, there's an opportunity if you say, it's, maybe it's not a novel yet, but there's a lot of stories that are all strung together on a theme, even. like. So, I have to ask, what's your favorite? And Well, I realize everyone has favorites. By the way, out there in listener land, if you have a favorite, throw it at us so we can highlight it and maybe ask you questions about it. I, that's It's hard to say. I mean, I've been reading a few... I found Kindle serials out there that I have loved. For instance, Sean and McGuire did indexing, which was hilarious. It's the ATI in ATI Bureau. ATI? ATI. And I don't remember what it stands for, but I'll put a link on the sign. But it's basically uh, Snow White. Is she's avoiding her fairy tale imperative, and they're hunting down for that girl who fell asleep into a coma and is sending out sleep waves all over the city. And. Uh. 
And so Thank how do you so find much. how do you find the fairy tales run wild? Oops, we've got a Pied Piper. It was genius mm-hmm. and I and I love it. In its way it's sim- it's similar to the Fables uh, comic book series. Well, same a similar idea and there's another episodic one and there's visuals, yeah. One of the ep- episodic storytelling forms that has endured somewhat unchanged from the early days. Because the comic book form, and you can read uh, Scott McCoy, great book, Understanding Comics. He did two volumes about it. He traces it all the way back to Egyptian hieroglyphics. I think he could go all the way back to Akkadian, Sumerian. But history aside, you know, comic strips were big. Oh, wow. We haven't even talked about. (laughs) <laughs> nickel rags and, and bully papers and all the other episodic forms. In a moment, I want to answer your question. Um, so my favorite recently has been the Murderbot series. I can't remember the author's name immediately, but um, Martha, Martha, yeah, something. Anyway, Martha Wells. Martha Wells. Thank you. It it was um, it was a terrific little series of four novelettes. And um, getting back to my theme of it being a great. Uh, commercial or um, capitalistic uh, form for keeping the reader hooked. Um, the first one sold on Amazon for in, in electronic form for, I forget, like three bucks or four bucks or something. And then the, the remaining three were priced obscenely for um, a novelette of that length at like nine or ten bucks a piece. But you have to know what happens. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and, and she created such a cool... Uh, and different character in the murder bot itself that you kind of just like wanted to find out what happened to it. As an aside, I always thought the murder bot was the perfect, uh, your choice of aromantic or asexual or autistic. You can map whatever you want onto it because it didn't consume human passions. It was a very matter of fact person. Yes and no. It, it, it was, it was a, uh, a very good, unreliable narrator in that it denied that it had those passions, but clearly had them anyway. Oh, come on. That was Hannibal for me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to answer the question before we move off of it. My favorite most recently has been Kevin Sonny and Ursula Vernon's or Ursula Vernon's and Kevin Sonny's Hidden Almanac. But that has gone away, so I need oh, to go. And we find haven't it. even started talking about serial podcasts, so oh, wow! Okay. Serial podcast is actually its own genre and its own way of consuming. As you're saying, you can take it driving. Like I love the Hidden Almanac too. Uh, they've just they've just wrapped up, but there's a year's worth. So if you've been missing, and they came out three times a week, five minutes each. It was very very easy for one year. For well, multiple years, I think oh, it's well, like 2013 to 2019, so yeah. six years worth, yeah, okay. I think. Something like that, but we can figure that out. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah. They also, she has now allowed you to download the whole thing. Yes. But there are other episodic podcasts. Uh, uh, Welcome to Night Vale is one of the famous out there. Welcome to Night Vale. Um, I always say, listen to the first two. If you don't like it, you won't get it, but... Uh, the dog park episode right up front of... Don't talk about the dog park. We are, we're happy to open a new dog park. Dogs are not allowed in the dog park. People are not allowed not in the, the dog, dog park. park. It's it's very it's a surreal landscape somewhere in the desert near Area 52. And and it's been going for years by... It, and, it has even spawned... They have um, shows. They, they have, have dress-ups. There's been... I've been to a Welcome to Night Vale party. You guys, you guys have spawned a movement, so go you. 
Uh, let's, you know, I got to mention another one that I don't know as well as I should, and that's Sage and Savant. Oh, love Sage and Savant, um, the steampunk. Yeah, because I met them at Clockwork Alchemy. Uh, and then only much later did I figure out that they were doing a podcast and they are wonderful people. So they I'm, are, they, they recorded one of my stories. They recorded <laughs> one of your stories. You remember the mad scientist journal, the, the Arkham K through 12 science fair. Uh, they, uh, did a really, really good dramatic reading of that with a little bit of Foley work and everything. It was, it was amazing. Those guys are fantastic. Oh, I'm going to go listen to their podcast and make a definite recommendation to our listeners then. Yeah. And let's see, there's also Wolf 359. What's that? Wolf 359 is a station that is orbiting a, well, just say far, far out station being orbited. It's got a Russian doctor and the, the communications officer. They're looking for signs of alien life, the captain. Things go wrong constantly. Every episode is its own adventure in, you know, out of control plant life. Is there aliens, a new feed? So Are they all going crazy and trying to kill each other? Like Red Dwarf then? Similar to Red Dwarf in its own way. A little bit more ominous, but... I still find it very charming. Ice Station Zero. That, that, that's a whole trope on its own, but tropes are a different discussion. We're talking about episodic storytelling, and we just... And how at- it happens in podcasts, too. There's, um, yeah, there, there have been a few that have just gone by, and I've, and I've loved them when they have come out because they are... It, it keeps you going. It's, can you tell the story in five minutes? Can you tell the story in half an hour? Can you tell the story in, okay, this one's a full hour. Uh, the BBC radio plays were their own. Let's not forget Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was uh, wonderful. Yeah. Let's, and, and I'm, I'm going to put in a plug uh, for the six episodes of Good Omens. Mm-hmm. So not just podcasts. We're seeing a whole, with the pol- proliferation of streaming services, there's demand for stories moved into episodic form for each of them. Well, that's interesting. There were, especially with BBC, they pioneered a lot of um, radio shows. Um, but I'm trying to remember, I mean, there were quote-unquote episodes, but often they were just stories with the same characters. Yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide was actually its own six and then 12-part um, story with a with an actual story arc. Um, it's not clear that Douglas Adams wasn't writing it by the seat of his pants, but of course he did a brilliant job of it. So it's, it's still its own story arc. I thought <laughs> uh, the Leviathan Chronicles by uh, Christoph Laputka were pretty interesting too. So um, <laughs> yeah. they're another one of those, uh, a little touch of surreal, a touch of tentacle, a touch, a touch of tentacle. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> And then there's in just new ways of delivering old books. I mean, we talked about, you know, Neverwhere was turned into a series after being a book, or was it a series first? Mm-hmm. I think it was a series first, and then it was turned into a book. And Gaiman's Neverwhere? Yeah. I could have it backwards. Sorry, I Neil. read it as a... Oh, I don't... I read it as a... Wow. I know. Chicken, egg. <laughs> it's been in all the formats. I read it as a book first, but there is something in how stories move through different markets. And that's one thing about episodic podcasting is that, um, that that's an interesting question. Are people publishing podcasts for money? Because books are monetized. Comics are monetized. Anything with a physical medium is monetized. Anything you sell on 
there's uh, major retailers monetize. So some there is subscriptions available on like YouTube channels. You can subscribe to YouTube channels, and some of them have them there. Um, a lot of people are supported through their um, Patreon accounts and such things. So if you really start loving some of this, absolutely go out and visit the Patreon account for some of these. So that's uh, kind of a new model for yeah. monetizing. Um, well, uh, not just not just um, serials and uh, episodes, but uh, anything you put out periodically. Yeah. And, and some of them I'll keep subscribing and downloading the new things as they come in. But um, there was a, a funny one that came by recently out of England. What it was, was there was a fellow whose father wrote a book. And so they episodically sit down and do a full Mystery Science Theater three, 2000, kind of, 3000, sorry, yes. MST3K on each episode. And it's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And and tr- and the whole podcast is is delightful that they read it line by line and roll their eyes and scream at it. It's terrible writing, and it's a terrible it's it's not good porn even, but it's a hilarious podcast as they're listening and mocking their dad's porn book, oh. and apparently he's written uh, sequels or something like that. So. So they're terrible sons, but really funny podcasters. Then. Well, my understanding is that uh, the the whoever Rocky Flintstone may be is actually secretly delighted that his books are. It's another route to market, really, because now people go out to Amazon and spend the buck ninety nine and buy a Belinda Blinked, and off they go. And you just brought up another form of episodic storytelling, which reminds me how interesting things is because it brings it together and that's the twitch gaming streams and the roll 20 gaming streams which yeah we talked about with tiana uh but there is there is an episodic story being told in a new format even though it's being done in an old format it's being presented in a new format do you remember the i remember driving across country with my grandparents hearing about who knows what evil lurks in the minds and hearts of, men. of men the mm. shadow knows the shadow knows dun 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 and the radio serials the radio serials so in a way i suppose you could see some of the podcasts coming out are really just radio serials for a new age um and i kind of call it at your convenience too because Again, now you don't have to be in your car or by your radio at Thursday at 5 p.m. Because That's true, but there's still uh, – I'm going to not take off my uh, cynical commercialism hat and say that they're all eventually find their way into monetized markets one way or the other. Um, uh, and I'm going to agree with you and say it's not necessarily a bad cynical thing. Money is a way of – wow, we have a political argument behind this. We don't need to have <laughs> – no, um, well, it's a way of incentivizing work, and in this case, creative work. Yeah, well, I, everybody, I, I'm a big believer that people who just want to make a living and entertain people and not get the job they hate, and other Amanda Palmer lyrics, you know, and not be a narcissist by wanting to write and create for a living, I am 100% for people monetizing and things. So Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And in fact, I think it's mostly a good thing. We kind of ignore the benefits of our capitalist system when we go about complaining about it it's uh faults well to a certain extent there's there's something that all of this this different sort of writing and storytelling gives everybody 
Have you ever been in one of those awkward moments on a date or with family members? And at the very least, you can always say, so what shows are you watching? Mm-hmm. Or do you listen to any podcasts? Or, or it's a conversational opener. So think of it as, you know, it, there are so many places that it's not just feeding the soul and feed, taking you away and the distracting. Right. It's, and, and nowadays, it's, it's um, Netflix or Amazon Prime or whoever. And it's those series. There's just I was an explosion of them devastated to find out Netflix and chill was a euphemism. No, you weren't. You were delighted. I thought it sounded nice. And it also it makes a certain date make much more sense. Uh, well, now we're back to history and we don't need more history. <laughs> Especially yours. Uh, yeah, like we're going to bring up your history and we're certainly not bringing up my history. Let's get back to episodic storytelling. Let's which, go comic books. We don't already <laughs> mention them. What more do you have to say? I kind of want to bring it around a circle because we can talk about how things start one place because Sandman is coming out and I am so excited I can barely stop Sandman wiggling in my seat. coming out as an episodic... As an episodic TV show. TV show. I am very excited. So Sandman went from... Uh, Vertigo novels spin off of DC to you got graphic novels. And I loved graphic novels because I then I didn't the have to buy all the individual ones. Oh, you're right. No. So it was no. individual <laughs> comics. Don't and miss with me. These are, this is my area here. <laughs> all right. Well, the comic out, books, me out. comic book collected so was, into a graphic novel, collected into a set of graphic novels. They were, these which is where I came in because uh, by the time I made it to the bookstore, there were 14 on the shelf. And and there's new life because a lot of these places that are the Netflix, the Hulu, the Disney Plus are going out now and saying, okay, materials, people are clearly consuming media and storytelling in ways that have never been done before. We need new stories, which is great because I am tired of, you know, Spider-Man 26. Yeah, well, that's an interesting <laughs> an interesting conversation, too. Sometimes it, it works the other way around in that there are these properties that um get recycled in any different form they can they can imagine just to try and and milk more money out of them yes that's that's cynical i don't well it is yeah (laughs) it's also true to an extent but it's also true but it doesn't limit the ability to tell stories although i read this morning uh a rant about batman versus superman which i'm not going to recreate but it points out that consumers that our readers our listeners are now able to get so deep into it that they have opinions where they couldn't have had opinions before one of the things we're seeing in my opinion is a vast expansion of the ability to tell these stories yeah uh the entry level for basic podcast is very low you don't need a publisher to do this you need the world's prettiest microphone you're telling us (laughs) uh, and but the point is is now and with a lot of the changes in society there are more stories and more viewpoints to be told and now we can tell them we're not controlled by a media conglomerate that says okay we only tell this story now we've lost a bit of shared culture because we all we don't all listen to ovaltine radio and and the shadow or something but on the flip side if, if someone can say to me hey have you read any uh, queer female black authors recently? And I can say, yeah. Well, there's that side of the coin. But the other side is that we have 
the Marvel universe and the DC universe, and we have uh, here's the Star Wars a, universe, the Star Trek universe. Right, they're just constantly being. I mean, and and here's here's my my theory. This and <laughs> my own little theory about how this happens is that um, the creative people create something, and the non-creative people um, get a hold of it and want to make money and. Um, their idea of creativity is to ask another creative person to do something with it, to buy it and then do something else with it, or not even something else. in a lot of times it's just it's, redo it. I, now. Okay. Let's, if we're going to talk about that, we're going to roll back into the world of publishing because publishers don't want to take chances. Right. They don't, you know, they want the sure thing, which is that's, why it is super much, hard to break in. And, no, 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 you had your soapbox. This is mine. Uh, I just <laughs> to say that's a much more succinct way to put it. Yes. Yeah. But I'm agreeing keep, with you. Keep soapboxing. You're on the so, ramp. So it's, when you get to the traditional, like, okay, the big Netflix doing a series, they, they are going for things that are already successful. They're not doing a ton of chances, but there's a mix. There's two thirds non successful and a third new. There are new things out there. Some of them are going on tropes that have done before uh, the Vikings versus Norsemen. One was serious, one was fucking hilarious. And uh, so there, there are different ways, but it's at least allowing different areas. Now, when you get into the world of podcasting, because there's no barrier to entry, there's no official stream, all you need to do is fit all the rules of YouTube to get something up on YouTube. All you need to do is fit the rules of uh, whatever they're calling Apple Music these days to get yourself loaded up there or Stretcher or some of the others. All you need is a website that people to go to. And and it it does allow some direct to be produced. But, uh, oh, Mr. Cynic, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to have to say the system has always been this way. You, you, You say that we have all these movies uh, based on the DC or the MCU universe or Star Wars or e- even Star Trek, which has a lot less movies than Star Wars at this point. And it's kind of always been that way. That's the studio system. And before then, uh, Harper's Bazaar had a collection of writers. The Algonquin table existed because they were trading quips between their magazines. There's always been a stable. I maintain that it's more open because we have more media now, but I'm that is a swag. That's not even a swag. That's just a wag of wild guess. And uh, well, I'm I'm out on Duotrope, which we plugged before as being a really neat thing. And every month at the beginning of their weekly list, they send me these are all the people who have been published who have reported being accepted in the last week. There's always at least a hundred. So I am excited by the idea that there's hundreds and hundreds of new people constantly writing stories. Right. But how many of them do you actually read and, and how often do you, do you make the effort to go find those new authors and cull through what amounts to a giant slush pile in a lot of cases to find the, the one good new fresh story? Well, that's where you kind of get loyal to editors, <laughs> you know, for okay, instance. Well, as and, a and writer. We're back, as and we're back to a model where there's somebody – uh, who's a gatekeeper, who's vetting the stories and doing some of the work of choosing quality for you. Or you go to a comparison site and look at people you like, or you see things advertised on Twitter. That's how I discovered Mike Cole. I would not have known him. Actually, that's a complete lie because he would have come through other friends, but Legion versus Phalanx or Phalanx versus Legion. Sorry, Mike, I don't know which way it goes. And he pimped it and I bought it. Thud, boom. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of folks that I've learned now go to conventions to find out what are the new authors, get the new cards, check the new things out. Mm -hmm. So there's... And and that's been a long running thing. That actually... Yeah. Now, here's a whole nother discussion. We've seen a die off of the literary science fiction conventions. Eh. We've seen a die off of the old form, the literary ones like ReaderCon and FogCon are doing okay. But the large general ones are being eaten by Comic-Con and Fanime and further confusion. And the field maybe has fragmented. But if I, I, I know about steampunk because I go dance at a steampunk convention, right? So are you saying it's more fragmented or it's being consolidated? It's more fragmented. Okay. Well, I don't know. See, I, I really enjoyed I went to my first World Fantasy Con, but I'd been, to, I'd been to a World Con before. And I'd been to some of the big conventions. And they're simply, they are what they are. They're the author's they're kind of four authors and I got there and they're like, are you, you know, pro or fan? And both people have reasons to go the pros because they go talk to each other, talk to agents, find out what's going on. I, what are people interested in when I was enjoying the whole uh, puppy thing coming out? It's like, Oh, they're queers are destroying science fiction and all of those and realizing, no, they're not. That's what people are looking for. So that's when the anthologies come out and say, Hey, we want to, read more on a topic like then they're paying the authors so they get to decide what goes in it so people are writing new and embracing areas and new themes and new ideas that's a cheat that was a book Uh, it totally was good book too it was but um i i saw it when it first had the the submissions open for it and speaking of which mm, bluntly what? what have you submitted recently tell me a story I just had a cursed come by. Uh, it's coming out shortly. Pre-ordered. Uh, that's one Arabian day. Where there you go. I stole something from Scheherazade, and said, "Turned. What if hero was? What if uh, Jafar was the hero of a story?" And uh, trying to recover a cursed pen that somebody gave to this floozy who got married. Mm-hmm. And it was and lawn gnomes, don't, don't. flesh fiction, and. Yeah, there's new stuff because there's new there's new groups out of there that are doing the publishing and doing Kickstarters. So it's not just traditional publishing anymore. There's Kickstarters, there's small press, there's get a few small press, you get accepted under the bigger ones like the Subterranean Press. Mm-hmm. You get in the Book View Cafe. These are these are way paths of getting known and getting part of other marketing departments rather than just trying to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Which you can do. You could publish every story you ever wanted on a website, and I bet there's folks that do. Yeah. Hilariously I, sometimes, actually. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Ursula Vernon stories, feels like we mention her every episode, was Pocuson. And it's out there for free, and you can go read it, and we'll put a link to it. And I think it's one of the most elegant little short stories I've ever read. You know? So... And it's free, but you realize it's free, but it makes you, for me, want to go out and buy everything that woman has ever written. So, first one's free, baby, on a whole mm-hmm. lot of pages. Neil Gaiman put his study in Emerald up there, I believe, on his main page. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's commercial because everybody wants to make a living. Like, Well, yeah. So well, I'm going to rein us back into episodic storytelling. 
And are you going to do that? I'm going to say I'm going to rein us back into episodic storytelling because we've asked what our favorites are. And I, again, want to go out into reader land and ask what your favorites are because I need recs. I need recommendations. I like steampunk. I like science fiction. I am a low gore, low sexual content person. It, it's true. I tried him on da- uh, John Dice at the end, and he no. just he just couldn't cut no. it. No, sorry, just, just because of the name. David Wong wrote it. It's great. I've read uh, that first chapter alive to everybody, it's but okay. <laughs> John doesn't do squicky. Yeah, that well, especially not where he has to die at the end of the book. But, <laughs> and the next book is full of spiders. It is. It was a, also a great title for a book, but. Yeah, what what are the favors? Because I think it's a good way to say, tell us what you like and tell us what you like about it, and I will we'll write some of ours down and what we like about it and which ones we. The Leviathan Project was fascinating for me, and I'm sad that I don't. Hmm. There's just too much to listen to now, so I'm catching up. I kind of stopped on Welcome to Night Vale after in the 100s somewhere, but yeah, still good. Yeah. Quick question for y'all: mm-hmm. um, series of novels. Are these episodes or something else? I think in their own way, they're episodes. They're just a much bigger story arc. It depends on the series of novels. Some novels are one story broken down. Uh, Lord of the Rings is classic really on that because that's one journey. But some novel sets clearly aren't. The Belgariad, which is actually sort of a gazetteer of different times and places. The Oz books, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, going back in time and coming. I'm only going to write eight books, but he made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make more books. And uh, Sherlock. Well, no. What other? So there's some sign. Um, Tales of the City, but that's cheating because that started as a new. The Robert Jordan series. There's Kate Elliott's Duran series. There's series. That's why I ask. (laughs) It's a thing. Was that a rhetorical or, or demonstrated question? So it's serial novel instead of serial episode. So Darkly Dreaming Dexter, book one, is basically the entire first season with a little bit of extra stuff written in. So Jeff Jeff Lindsay wrote it. This is this is Dexter the Killer, not Dexter the Laboratory. I'm afraid this is Dexter the Killer. You shouldn't watch it, but I loved it. And it's your thing. (laughs) It's my thing. And they did. That's how they took it and said. Wow, this is a interesting book, and it's a popular, and it's a wonderful set of characters, and this would be great on TV. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is how we do episodic. We're going to put links to uh, the stories, the podcast, and other interesting things we mentioned on the website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We answer email. We eagerly solicit your opinions on what do you think? What's your favorite series? You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the host. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey-Schween. And our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh, although John has now been learning how to be another sound engineer. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Langberg. You can hear more from Michael Langberg on ManyHatsMusic.com or by his albums on Amazon. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, enabling you all to buy cool WDC swag, including the new Live at Mally's t-shirt.